Ben, how's it going, man? Good, mate. Yeah, cut. It's the it's the um, the storm's passed. Big week. You had your first daughter a couple of days ago. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thanks, bro. Um, yeah, interesting story. So I had a kid. Oh, well, sorry. I'll, <laughs> our house was on the market in Wellington, and um, I had to do a Zoom call in the hospital while my missus was in labour because we were getting all the offers through. Um, so it was like the old, oh, yeah, hey, look, there's, there's three agents there, and it was, hey, look, just excuse me, our missus, she's in the background having contractions. We've got to get this done. <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, no, all good. And then the office started coming in and they were sort of like started here and then went to there and then went to, you know, <clears throat> the, end, the end mum was, were pretty happy with us. So it ended up heaps and she's yelling out, that's awesome. And I'm like, just settle down, girl. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, a oh. couple, couple of hours after that, we had our, our wee girl Harper and first, first kid. So just got home today, actually. Well, yeah. she did. I've been coming and going and don't know what I've been doing. I've been in living <laughs> in a dream world. That's a big week, man, selling a, a house and having your first kid mm. on the same day. Same day, yeah. Nonetheless. Mm. But, yeah, also everyone's home and safe and sound and charging. Yeah, yeah, she's a, she's a wee beaut. Just sleeps and drinks just like her old man, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, bloody good, man, and congratulations on both of those. Cheers, mate. Um, and you've got a boat too. Yeah. You, you bought a boat recently, a little Sir Tees. Yep, yep, 450 but, work, mate. So, is it the 450 work, mate? Or something work, mate, anyway. But, yeah, um, 450 or 5, is it a 450 or 520 or something like that? Oh, we don't even know. <laughs> we don't even know. <laughs> Haven't put, don't know the details, just know that. It's been a yeah. big week, all right, and, yeah. and he's got a, he's definitely got a boat. <laughs> The, the idea with it is I want to be able to self-launch after milking to go out, get a feed, mm. and maybe have a dive, just, you know, real easy. Uh, I had big boats before, and they're awesome when they're in the water, but when they're not in the water, they can be a pain in the ass. But I live right on the beach here at the farm, so it's um, it's just easy to whip down the ramp chuck it in and away you go by yourself. So that was what I was after, yeah. Mm. No, it'll be mint. And it's mm. sort of that, um, yeah, four and a half, five metre sweet spot where it can handle a bit of sea. But, yeah, it's, it's easier to handle. Um, yeah. Like I've got the little FC430, which is an awesome little boat. Um, love it. But, yeah, it's completely open, which is great for some things. You know, it's, it hasn't got a little cockpit in the front. Yeah, yeah. Great for a lot of things. It makes it even easier to launch because I can push it off from the front and climb in straight over the front, and uh, I can launch it in my red bands without getting my, my feet wet, sort of thing, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then, uh, yeah, it's as soon as it cuts up, a little bit of wind and a little bit of chop, you can get bloody wet. Yeah, and we're west coast here too, so not often you get it dead flat. You do, mm. but not often. And um, yeah, just handy to have that little barrier, you know, on the west coast. Mm. Um, South Taranaki, so open. Hoping she goes, yeah, it'll be perfect. It will be, man. Yeah, Might even was... have to get a um, like a cradle because you get a bit of swell up your ass when you're landing when mm -hmm. you're um, putting it back on the trailer. So 
just get the old quick quick attach with the cradle on the trailer. Oh yeah. So I can just come in and boom, and it clips on and quickly yep. get get so it off. So you'll be beach launching. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And there's a ramp. There's a ramp just down next to the house here. So yeah, I was yeah. seeing. Um, I was out East Cape the other day, a um, couple of weeks back, just having a look around, sussing it out. Want to do some fishing out there, and <coughs> uh, I saw this uh, in um, one of the bays out there. I saw a massive tractor with a huge trailer on the back. Must have been a big eight meter beast or something. Um, the tractor was just rusty as rough as guts. Um, but that had a big cradle on it for obviously just backing it back into the surf and just crash landing the boat on it, like big rails around the side to sort of catch it and yeah, throw it into the I'm, right spot, eh? Yeah, that's what I'm talking, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. Because what happens with the wave is you get it on there nice and then a wave will just come boom and hoof it straight off the side. Yeah. Yeah, which is not going to be tidy. Nah, you could you could smash up your trailer in that doing that too, like break or rollers. Or even put your boat on the back of your ute, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the less um, amusement you can provide at r- boat ramps is the better, you know. Oh, totally, eh? Mm. Yeah, so. especially yeah, especially when you got got an audience, which you often do. Yeah, exactly. That's the best place to hang out in the summer, peak in the silly season anyway, down by the boat ramp. Mm. <laughs> you see arguments and divorces and all sorts <laughs> of carry on dude there's actually whole youtube channels and uh instagram accounts all about um people just sit there filming um boat ramps and bars like a big bar i yeah. follow a, a page that um they film a busy um river mouth that's i mm. think it's i can't remember what it's called hanaluva inlet or something like that gnarly gnarly bar with heaps of boats going in and out jesus crazy um the amount of time someone comes out and out down out the river mouth into the swell with um a bunch of kids sitting on the front and hit a couple of waves i saw one where a kid just got tote like big wave right over the front you know 800 liters of water just boof just blowing all the people out of the front of the boat it's total chaos yeah yeah yeah, no, I've seen some and trailer backing and all that carry on. Mm. It's just it's just something I'm not uh, I just try and make it as seamless as possible. Same. Yeah, Same. and a little bit of prep goes a long way, mate. So um <clears throat> yeah, be looking to um get one of those men coders like you've got, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, they they're gold, man. They're gold. Yeah. Um you notice the weight in that on my little boat? Like that's one thing I wasn't really prepared for, how much weight was going to be in it and how much yeah. weight it adds to the front of the boat. I probably would have mounted mine a little bit differently had I known more about them um, and then the battery and all of that. Mm. So there is that um, mm. on a small boat, you know? Yeah. Um, and when you're dealing with four and a half, five-metre boats and you start putting live bait tanks and mincoders and trying to do more and more on them, you start to realise, hang on, I'm on a pretty small vessel here. It's, and then it's sweet when it's flat, but um, it does change that, the handling of my boat quite a bit. And it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, when it's, if the min code is not on, um, it handles rough, choppy stuff much better. Um, and yeah, because the, the harbour entrance in, in Tauranga here can be pretty rough at times, you know, yeah. um, just with the current that comes through there. Yeah. You get a bit of wind against tide and current and that. Um, and it can be a real messy, sloppy 
um, sea. And, Ooh. yeah, I've had a couple of times in there. Like the, I think the first time I went out with the Minkota, I went out in there, um, and there was about a metre of slop, like a washing machine all over the place. I was like, shit, hang on, get mm. back out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah well, that's interesting, eh, because you don't often think about that sort of carry-on. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people, get it. you got to get a Minkota, get a Minkota. And then I got one, and mine was hard bolted on too. Yeah, um, yeah. Yes, you can't remove it. Yeah, you couldn't. Yeah, and, and we spent a day there and a few hundred bucks putting a quick attach plate on, and that's so I can just unplug it and take it off now. Yeah, um, that's so that, key, eh? So, like, even if you if you've got someone that can with you that can do the sea anchor or throw a proper anchor when you're not on your own, that's probably an option. And if it's a bit rough, oh, what's that? Sorry, like, well, you whip the encoder off. Mm. And get your little bitch boy to do all the anchor and the sea anchor and all the other stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah I, I take it off and on, and yeah. um, you know, there's times when it's really, um, really, really useful to have it. Or if it's flat, I'll take it because it's so yeah. useful. Um, or you know, things like um, fishing the channel markers here um, for kingies over the summer. Yeah. The yeah. is just gold for that. Oh yeah. The current's pumping, and if you haven't got a mincoda or you haven't basically got two of yours, so there's one person on the motor idling, holding you right at the right spot to get a cast, you really only pull up, you get one cast, and then the current pulls you away, and you've got to start up again and pull up to it. Mincota, you just roll up to it, throw the mincota over, hit anchor, um, and you're there, and you can adjust and swing around the other side. And it's all quite stealth, too. It's not starting the motor or, you know, off and on. Yeah. And yeah, uh, dude, that's so gold. Yeah, no, I definitely, I reckon they're the, they're the ducks. Mm, yeah, they yeah. are. Yeah, especially and in even, like fishing for on pins and that for kingies and you know what that's like. You sort of drift over it and you jig, jig, jig and bang, bang, everyone's on and then and then you're off and you're miles off time you sort the fish out. Yep, you got to start up, go all the way back. You know, especially in a good current. You know, so yep. yeah, yeah. And sometimes it is good to be moving with the current for different styles of lure fishing, but it's definitely bloody good to be with with heavy kingy jigs. It's different. They gen if it's not too deep, they're going to plummet straight down. But um, mm. yeah, they're total gold, man. You're dead right. Yeah. Fishing pins, um, even uh, in the in the lakes, fishing for trout, jigging for trout. They're bloody yeah. really good for that, and just quietly cruising around and marking fish and dropping up and down, and um, even the little things, man, like. Uh, when I come back in and I might fish out here for snapper right up till dark and then literally fishing right up to the last minute, leave myself just enough time to get back around in the entrance or even come back in the dark sometimes using the GPS and the channel markers and a big torch and stuff. Mm. Um, and then when I get in close to the harbour, I might want to clean the boat up or gut some fish and... Um, if you don't throw the anchor over, you're going to be moving, but then throwing the anchor over is a pain in the ass. You can just mm. flick that lever, drop the encoder, and hit anchor. anchor. Yeah. It's like push button anchor, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's nuts. nah, I reckon. Yeah, mm. nah, I reckon no, bloody good. Yeah, exactly. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, what do you want to talk about today? Uh, well... One thing I wanted to talk a little bit more on is huts, hunting from huts, and mainly just looking after huts and keeping them clean and tidy. 
and I don't want to have a preach about it or anything. And I've I've t- spoken about this before, where <coughs> often when you're talking about you know leaving stuff tidy or preaching, you're preaching to the choir of people that do, uh, and the people that do make a mess won't listen to you anyway. But you know, it's, so it's a hard one, but it's still worth covering over. Um, and you touched on it too when we we're talking about it the other day about just like. Um, when you turn up and a hut's a shambles, if you pitch in and clean it up and then you leave it tidy, uh, there's a much higher chance of it being tidier next time. You know what I mean? But every time you add, and I just think you've got to be bloody careful. I think people can do it with good intent as well. Um, you know, oh, I'll leave a little bit of food behind or I'll leave this jacket or this, you Water know. bottle. A bottle or Taking a blanket. Bo- water or bottles everywhere. Water bottles. All the, the old stack the cans up on the wall. It looks cool, but it's not cool. Oh, the dude, <laughs> empty, empty whiskey bottles and shit? Yeah. Pisses me off, man. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time using huts over the years and trapping in that, and um, there's a couple of huts that I go back to all the time, and I've had instances where I've gone into a hut I've had instances where I've gone in and it's just a complete freaking pigsty, just like completely out the gate, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I've got and I'm going to be staying there for a few weeks trapping. So I've spent literally two, three days, full days cleaning the whole hut and filled up, you know, five or six whole rubbish bags of rubbish and tidied that whole hut up. And um because the other thing you get as soon as there's food and clo- you know clothes and even a you know someone leaves a, a cardboard box and newspaper under the bench, it's just a spot for the rats to nest, you know. Um, and so you turn up, it's just full of rats and food and shit, everything. And there's just you know when you cook a big fry up and you leave that fat spattered all over the wall and you don't clean it off and that goes mouldy. And then trip after trip of that, just layering that up, and then the whole wall around the bench is just black and just, you know, and just so I've scrubbed all that off like buckets of boiling water and just cleaned it right up. And if you do that to a hut and you come back a year later, that hut's still way better. It's amazing how you can turn the tide on a hut, like a big effort can turn the tide. Mm. Um, Because as soon as it gets a little bit dirty, and a little bit messy, and there's a bit of crap everywhere, then the next guy walks in and goes, oh, shit, it's a bit messy. Oh, we'll just make do and leave. And as they get disorganised, it's harder to tidy up all your stuff, and a little bit of your rubbish blends in with the old shit, and it just gets worse and worse. Um, so there's that. If you if you do a massive clean-up, you can completely turn it around and the next guy turns and shit, this is tidy, and they keep it tidy and leave it tidy, you know. But then there's the other thing of where, so that hut in particular, um, then, so I did that years ago, which turned the tide on it, and every time I go back there, I give it a big clean up, and I've been there once, and it wasn't too bad. I've maybe taken out a bag and a half of rubbish when I've flown out, and then I've literally gone back in three months later, three months, you know, and there's obviously been three or four trips of useless bastards, and there's like four bags of whole big, massive rubbish bags of rubbish, 
you know, just um, piss bottles, you know, our empty alcohol bottles, tin cans. People have left a big box of newspaper and magazines and food and, yeah, it's... Um, and again, it's preaching to the choir. I think most of our listeners are pretty on to that sort of thing, but um, yeah, it's yeah. quite a biggie. It's quite a biggie. I'll, yeah, I'll just say a couple of things because we, we probably are preaching to the choir, but there's a couple of things where sometimes you won't know. Because sometimes huts are necessity sort of set up, like, um, you know, because so you'll get there. You've, you're not supposed to be there. The weather's turned shit. You, you use all the firewood. Um, you leave a couple of drink bottles there thinking you're doing good. And and then, yeah, yeah um, have a bit of a sweep up. And Are you there? Yep. I don't know what's happened here. Bloody hell. You've gone to sleep. Yep. So, and, um, and then you leave. And that starts a little bit of rot, as in you've left a couple of drink bottles, there's no firewood, and you forgot to flip your mattresses back up because you're in a hurry to get out. And mm. then rats come and sit in the mattresses, the nest in the mattresses that are lying flat. You've got your two drink bottles there. So someone else thinks it's all right to add to that. Oh, you know, these are bloody handy, so they leave their one. Um, oh, there's no bloody firewood. People start burning a bit of bloody something off the side of the hut because it's wet when they're there, and it can go pitch up real quick from yeah. just a couple of people that are not not real grubs or not being, um, mm. you know, they're not, they're not thinking they're doing too much, and then it just snowballs, you know. So that's another. You don't have to be go there and be a real grub to make it happen. Um, but it's. I find a lot of New Zealand huts are really good. So there's mm -hmm. obviously a heap of people out there. That's, it's so nice a feeling when you turn up to a hut and it's just pristine and you're like mint, you know, and you really take care of it yourself and it's just a bloody good thing. But you do the odd time either. Because firewood, you and me both know, firewood can be a half-day job. Like it's not easy yeah. when you're back there. So it's it's a bit of a mission and I think people just need to, really respect like respect it a bit more um and it is a bit of a privilege you know because those huts are our huts are friggin nice in new zealand they've always got a nice like most of them mm. yeah most of them are flashier than my bloody house so yeah they've got a good fire good place to cook bloody good beds good mattresses dry i mean so it's a bit of a privilege to have that. And some of them are necessities when you're out there, you need them. Mm. So that's all I'd say is just have a think about what you're doing. And, <clears> and the big thing for me is that rubbish. You, you, you mentioned it a couple of times. Like mm. No one wants your drink bottle, mate. Like, nah. I know they are bloody handy. Yeah. But one's handy. Mm. <laughs> and um, you probably find people don't really know it's been in there. It could have had um, kerosene in it. They're not going to use it for a drink bottle. Oh, nah. I'm neither so, you, nah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you think, oh, bloody handy, I'll leave my, I'll leave my one litre drink bottle here. The old part is, I've cleaned it all up. But, you know, I look at that and go, oh, shit, that could have been a kerosene or I'm not going to drink out of it. Nah, you don't know what's been done I'll with it. probably cut it up and use it for a fire starter or something. But, um, yeah. It's just not handy. So don't. Yeah. And then the food thing, you know, unless it's in a tin, 
don't leave it. Like packages and you know, and even those um, you know, the freeze dries and that don't leave them there because rats mm. get in there. Mm. Like they're not handy. Like you think you're being real handy leaving some noodles and some shit, and it's just rat tucker. So, um, yeah, it's probably all I'll say. I just, I just sort of people aren't often doing it on purpose, though, and they just don't. They just think they're doing a good thing too. Sometimes when you're not, you know. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think yeah. Sometimes it's just yeah, lack of experience or not quite realizing. Um, and yeah, the old rats and mice don't need much at all to spark a little bit of interest and get them hanging around and chewing on stuff. Um, that that was always the biggest thing. Like it mm. didn't it didn't matter how much poison you threw around or how much trapping you did or whatever the hell you did, staying stay in huts full time. Um, the big thing was that there was nothing for them to eat and yeah. nowhere for them to nest, you yeah. know. And uh, if there was somewhere for them to nest and rummage around in and keep a little bit warm or food, and it doesn't take much, man. I um, I did a little clean-up in a hut a couple of months ago and I put it on my Instagram story of that truckload of shit that I drove out. That was a hut you could actually drive to. And on in one corner of the bench, it was a... Um, a plastic oil bottle, you know, like a one litre mm. bottle of canola oil sort of thing with a, with a, it had about 10 mil in the bottom. It was all cloudy and had shit floating in it and stuff. Like no one was ever going to use it. And obviously when people have been using it, pouring oil out when back in the day when someone was using it, a little bit of oil had dribbled down the side of the bottle and then it had gone on the um, bench so there was a bit of oily residue around the base of that bottle, and that was the only thing the mice and rats in that hut had any interest in. And um, it's like when if you pre-feed for rats or mice, you can that's actually a pre-feed. You put scented stuff in an oil, and you just spray the scented oil on a tree. And it's so bloody barren. They'll come back to that and chew the bark every night for three three weeks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that whole end of that bench was just completely covered in m- mouse shit and rat shit just from that oily bottle sitting there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, That's what I'm saying too. Like guys <laughs> don't know that anything in that hut, mm. you're not, you, you know, it's not going to, hey, nine times out of ten you're not saving someone's ass by leaving it there, so. Nah. And, and I mean, it's it's one thing to, to um, you know, like when I cleaned that hut up, there was a, a bread bag with some pretty new-looking muesli bars in it um, hanging from a rafter. I mm. opened it up, had a look at it. Okay, left that there. There's a little bit of food. Just think on that off chance. Um, there was just stacks and stacks. There was a big, massive cardboard box on the end of the bench full of broken plates and old pots and pans and rat shit and just just an absolute pit. But um and outside there was just stacks and stacks of crap and I threw it ninety five percent of it all in the truck, but I left um a good pot with a handle, a good little billy, the best fry pan, um, a decent plate, a couple of knives and forks, uh there was old blankets and stuff that were covered in rat shit. I left one the cleanest one and shook it out and folded it up and threw it over a rafter. Um, so there's nothing wrong with leaving, 
you know, the minimal amount of stuff required and, you know, leave a lighter or a box of matches and a little bit of cardboard or mm. newspaper. But again, put it over a rafter or somewhere where the rats can't get to it. So someone can roll in, light a fire, boil some water, cook something. And if there's a blanket or something that you can keep the rats out of, sweet. Um, but as soon as it starts adding up, you know. <laughs> Oh, mate, if you're hell-bent on leaving shit in huts for people, if you're thinking you're doing a good thing, mm. take a plastic container with a lid. If that's how mm. concerned for other people you are, that's great. Mm. But plastic container with a lid, chuck what you think's good in there, and sweet, because the rats yeah. won't get in there. Mm. They might chew through it one day, but it, the most part, those sort of things I've seen are good, and they last. So, um, yeah, that's probably that. That's probably good advice. So yeah, it's just that man, and just mm. yeah. We, I mean, we've covered it all there. And again, I'm always wary about these sort of things and having a rant and telling you know. Yeah, it's not uh, a rant. It's just, um, it's just disappointing. And I and I know a lot of it's not through, um, people aren't trying to be harmful. It's just you mm. know you think yeah they actually think they're doing good, and it's um, yeah. People, yeah, it's there, is, there is reckless buggers who just go there and don't give a oh, dude. I've seen yeah. some shockers, eh? Yeah, especially um, pissing up in huts and that, and then just leaving it's just not that's not all. Nah, and it's yeah. all good if you want to fly in and, and, and have some beers on the days you're not hunting or when you've finished hunting, have a beer or whatever. <coughs> um, but yeah, shit, you've got yeah. it, and you see how it happens too. You have a big trip with all the boys and. No one knows. I've seen it when I was in heaps of times when I was trapping and big crews come in. They're having a hell of a time, you know, a really good time, and they're out hunting, all going well, and there's a few of them. No one's really in charge. It's just all the boys going their separate ways, doing their separate thing. And um, then on the last day, the chopper's going to be there at two, but there's a stag roaring on the, on the ridge up behind the hut that they all want to get back up to, and then pack up ends up just a mad rush leading up to the helicopter going, you know. Mm, that's yeah. actually a that's actually a really big one is um that I've experienced myself tidying yeah. up after big trips and what I've seen is leaving yourself enough time to bloody tidy up properly. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, I think you cra- I think you nailed that. <clears throat> um so after that Leading on from last time, we were sort of just starting to talk about cookers. Yeah, huge topic because um, technology and and the likes of, geez, I've come a long way, like from the old Primus in the belly or fire in the belly um, to, um, you know, I went through gas, uh, what are that, liquid Cookers like the Whisper Light, MSR Whisper Light, when I was down south, because I was always having the bloody gas cans would stop working on me when they got real cold, and I didn't know yeah. how to put them in my sleeping bag and keep them warm because I was too thick. Um, so I had the I had that, but it was heavy. Um, so that's then, the that's like a little red, long red cylinder, and you put liquid in it and you pump it up. Yeah, you put white spirits in there. Yeah. Um, or you can put, you can actually put bloody anything in there, meth, mm. um, kerosene, yeah. But yep. it works best with the white, the white stuff. And um, that thing, they won't freeze, and they are awesome cookers. Like, 
Um, you got to put your wee shield up around them in the wind and that, but geez, they'll cook mm. for days and mm. really well. So, and then obviously you go to the lightweight and you can make the little can ones with the with the nets in there that just give out enough to boil a bloody cuppa. Have you ever used one of those? Yeah, because I got that <clears throat> idea off old Greg. Yeah, yeah. And I made one, and um, it's mint, but it's a real survival mode. A lot of his stuff's like, he must be a, an absolute weapon, because he, so sometimes I go hunting for a holiday, and I like to have a brew and a coffee and smoko and all the stuff. Other times, like, I'm just there to go, get a big stag, and I'm not there for the niceties, mm. which is very seldom. <laughs> I'm always there for the holiday and the good time and uh, the good tucker and and just, but, um, yeah, they, yeah, I've used one, but it was pretty slow, and um, you had to build the wind thing, and it was bloody good, light, really light. Mm. But, and, I've, yeah, you've had, obviously, a few really light cookers too, and um, me and you together have had cookers, on the hill and making coffees and it's always an experiment for me. Um, but, and they, I've had the MSR whisk, uh, wind burner, which is mm. really, really good. Yeah. Again, these are all canister ones. Now I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but I've just recently got the mini mo, the jet ball mini mo, and that you can simmer really low simmer heat and you can cook, cook a feed and their meat. And, and that's my, Number one gripe about jet boil and all those canister ones, they are just full revs mm. or even on low, low revs, with just before they go out, they're still bloody hot. <laughs> yeah. And they'll burn you. They're not designed to cook. Uh, you know, everything's closed down to the thing and they're just designed to boil water as fast as they can. Mm. What is it, bloody less than two minutes? So that's it. That When they first come out, that's how they were, eh? It was yeah. just, it yeah. was just amazing. They were efficient on gas and they boil water very quick even in windy conditions basically eh? yeah and that's mm. what i struggled going from the whisper light because you can turn that right down to a beautiful little you yeah, cook a roast on there if you wanted mm. and you had enough fuel to do so um but then these jet balls were just like i can make a brew in two minutes and i'm yeah i'm away again so mm. christmas christmas till you shoot something and Shit, I wouldn't mind a bit of meat, and you burn the ass out of your jet ball, and yeah. Um, so, so I'm on the mini mo now. Long story short, and that's um, 400 grams, and it's epic. Have you got the one? Because there's two models. There's one yeah. that, um, and I think it's a good hundred bucks difference. Yeah. This uh, is 3.29. Yep. Because there's one that, and this is quite important for people looking at getting them. There's yep. one that's just normal. Yeah. That um, just runs like a normal gas cooker. Mm. So the bottles run, if it, the bottles get cold and run out pretty easily. Yeah. And there's another one, it's just got this little round little doohickey on the side. Yeah. And that's what pushes the a little bit of get pressure and warmth back into the bottle. Oh, uh, yeah. So it, it's, it's like a little mechanism on them. Yeah, yeah, that's, I've got that. Same. And, yeah. And, yeah, and that makes them way more efficient. Yeah. And it... it It'll use those tiny little gas bottles right down to every last drop, yeah. And and um, even in the stone cold, it just runs and runs. Like yeah. remember the old school? I remember like my first Primus yeah. gas yeah, cooker for the yeah. for the screw on, oh, and you get those. They're good too. 
<laughs> yeah, they're not. But they are bloody good. I mean, we yeah. thought they were. We just brought a bloody Lamborghini or something when we first got them back in the day. Yeah. Um. But uh, you get those big bottles. You know, even the, the tall, mm. b- bigger mm. bottle. Mm. And by the time it's 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 starting to burn right down and go really slow, and the bottle's still a third full. Mm. You know what I mean? And as soon as it's cold, they're bloody hopeless, and they and the bottle freezes up in that. Mm. Whereas these the the new Minimo or with that setup that somehow pushes a bit of pressure and warmth back into the bottle, yeah, uh, it's just they just work so much better. It's just technology, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, well, you and me are the same, mate. Yeah, oh, I'm not afraid to just get on the new thing and try it. And mm. if it's not as good as the old thing, oh, I'm happy. I'll just flick that off and go back to the old thing, you know, but you'll never know unless mm. you do. And I think the Minimo for me is, at the moment, it's bloody mint. You can cook, mm. cook back steaks in there and render a little bit of fat in there, and it's just awesome being able to do that, and, and really quickly too. Yep. I've got so, the, um, the Jet Ball fry pan. Yep. Yeah, which has yeah, been that. absolutely gold. I think oh. it's it's... Outlandish the price. It's like 120 bucks for this tiny little alloy pan. Yeah. Um, but it is mint, and and the handle folds in. It's got a little spatula yeah. that clips into the handle, and it's really good non-stick. And it's um, it's reasonably thick on the bottom. So even because you know how the Minimo comes with that little alley thing, that because the the actual jet foil pot goes in and locks on. And then there's that little fold-out alley apparatus, so you can you can sit that on top of where the jet boil pot goes in, so you can put a normal pot or any type of pan on it. Mm, yep. <clears throat> and when you do that, it's still you can turn it right down and do a nice simmer, um, but that aluminium, that jet boil pan, does a really good job of of sucking the heat right out to the sides. Yeah. yeah, instead of in the middle. Yeah, instead of just a hot spot in the middle because a, a too yeah. thin a pan with that yeah, setup. Yeah, so it's designed, it'll be designed <laughs> to be thicker in the middle and thinner so it takes less, you know what I'm saying? It's something, whatever yeah. it is, it works yeah. and it's very yeah. good non-stick. I'm always really careful with it and, and yeah. they're smart how they've given you that plastic spatula with it so you're not yeah. scratching it up with your titanium fork, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, and I'm, I take... Um, you know, I'll t- often take a couple of steaks in for my first night, or and then mm. shoot a deer, and I'm frying up bloody deer heart in it, and mm. crumbing oh. deer heart, and just. I don't know why I do it so much more now. I think when you're young, you just into it, and <laughs> you just got deer flat out and throwing it all away, and you're just on to the next and up here, and all the meat's hanging at the hut, and you don't eat it. And but now I just I really enjoy sitting on the side of the hill, cooking up in my thing and taking the time. Like, you don't even notice the time and it's just take the time to cook a good feed. I carry around those, um, the tortillas and that. Mm. And with cheese and you just cook, dice up venison straight away or heart and you put it in the tortilla with the cheese, melted it and it's just Ooh. like, <laughs> one of the best feeds. <laughs> yeah. And you've been thinking, you're like, why didn't I do this? You just didn't have time when you're young. You're like, Go, go, go. No time for looking around. Don't look at the scenery. We're, we're off. Just all rip shit and bust, eh? Yeah. yeah. Like I've got a mate. I've got a mate, and he don't, he, like, all day won't 
drink hot drinks, nothing. It's just like, nah, I ain't got time for that. It's just little nibbles and crackers and <laughs> carry on, you know? Just charging. Whereas I like to sit down, make a brew, make some nice crackers and piss around half the time, but here it's hard case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I can piss around a bit too. Um, yeah. And I like to enjoy it. Yeah, take my time a bit. I mean, yeah. there's a time for both, eh? But yeah. Um, yeah, but no, I'm the same man. And I remember when Jet Balls first came out, I wasn't really, I didn't get it. I was like, hey, um, only boil water. Like, because I was always into frying a bit of back steak or something. So it just wasn't interesting to me. Yeah. And then um, I remember talking to someone in a hut and I had my old cooker out, whatever I was using at the time. And then it was actually a tramper, this uh, uh, female tramper. Mm. She was saying, oh, you haven't got yourself a, you'd be one of the last people ever in the hills without a jet boil. And I said, oh, um, no, nah, I like, you know, been out of fry and that. And she gave me the big spell on them. Oh, my friend's got one and she's got the little pan for it. And she was frying up this and that and making a bloody three-course dinner on them, you know. And then 150 when, bucks later, old Paul's there <laughs> walking yeah. out of hunt fish. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I've been raving about it ever since. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the issue for me, though. Yeah. They are so dear. Like, you can buy one of those little primuses for about 50 bucks mm. all in. Mm. It's got all the same gadget, you know, and um, and we used to use those alloy pans. Are they alloy? They're soft and bendy, but they're yep. really good for cooking. That'll be alley. Yeah. yeah, and they're cold straight away. They don't hold their heat for ages, so you can just hip it back in the pack, yep. pack and that. Yeah, those pans, you put that on top of there and put it behind a bit of tussock, and you're away laughing, you know. Mm. That's actually a really good point, too. You can just get, uh, dude, I think you can get a basic primer style one for like 30 bucks yeah and you can get a, a small cheap non-stick pan from the warehouse for literally like eight or twelve dollars i think we did it last time we went into the we were just sort of rushing like did you bring a decent cooker i'm like oh no i bought my jet boy right and we just bought like a 20 dollar cooker mm. with a gas can member and, and that non-stick pan and geez we cooked some epic feeds in that yep, hut. that's actually a great point um yeah. I'm looking at the box right now. That it's a gas craft. Yeah. For because now you can't and and you can't take the big nine kg gas bottle in. You're not no. even meant to be able to take the four kg or anything. But no. you have those smaller canisters. Yep. Um, let me grab it. Just one sec. Yeah. Um, because it was it, it's so cheap and. I didn't um, even have this as a note for the show, but um, the, I was thinking I've got to do a post or talk about this thing because mm. um, this, this was got, this was last minute too, remember? Yeah, yeah. Mm. This is I think this is the one me and you bought, and um, I've used it on a couple of missions since, and the, it's got the same setup how it, it like what the Minimo does that it feeds pressure back into the canister. Mm. So it runs for ages, mm. and um, yeah, you can see that, eh? And it, so yeah. warehouse, I reckon these are the new flying cooker. Yeah, um, and, and you could even get. A Remember, we were cooking spuds, and we fried up eel, crumb eel. Yeah, that eel was so and, good, eh? And we just got it to a nice simmer, like it's a bloody good cooker. It is, yeah. And see that, see that there. That's that little pipe. Yeah, that's what I've got in the mini mo. Um, so that actually comes up and around near the flame, 
So yeah. it's heating it up and then back through. Yeah. Um, and this here in cold great, weather. Great idea that, eh? Great idea. Yep. Yeah. Back in the day trapping, I used to, well, I first started out using the old just screw on top, just straight without that thing. And yeah, yeah they used to chew through even those big screw on gas canisters. Um, but this thing, yeah, and because they're only 50 bucks. So, you know, I used to take the big cast iron. I'm looking at another one. I'm looking at that too down there under the mm -hmm. bench. Mm -hmm. The big cast iron uh, two burner that you put the, the four yeah. or the nine kg on. Yep. Two of That's these is basically the same thing, but yeah. in a way smaller package. Yeah. Um, and it just won't last you a year like the casties did. And the casties is what I use the. A, Big cast one for cooking my heads in a big pot, yep. double one with one pot, and um, cook all the heads in that. But that, yeah, that little thing there, all in, we were in it for about 30 or 40 bucks with gas. Yeah, if you're careful, I think it might have been 50. Was if it? you're yeah, careful right. with that, that'll last, that'll last you a bloody long time. Yeah, yep. it's not. Yeah, because those cast things aren't bulletproof either. The nah. taps, are, the cast is obviously not bad, but the legs mm. and the taps are pretty shit house on them. Yeah, the, yeah, the brass. Um, but the other, and so if you had one of those, a, and this has got a piezo on it. Yeah, yeah. If you had one tech. of those, and you're going to a hut, perfect. And then you can buy the little, like you say, those cheap Primus ones with the canister that they just screw on top, like a jet boil. You, you could be all in humming. For a hundred mm. bucks under, yep, yep. and yeah, you look at the point. jet boil. You know that's with a little non-stick pan and all. That's just as light as anything. You just you, you can even cut the handle half off because mm. the plastic's the heaviest bloody thing on it. And um, you're in it with a arguably one of the good one of the best setups. <clears throat> you just have to have a windbreak for your Primus. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, but for convenience, the jet boil is, and now the Minimo, the way they work, it's a little bit finicky. The cup on the bottom of mine broke, which I thought was shit for what you paid for. It was just a, a really brittle plastic cup. Yeah. And that just cracked. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> the thing's always falling apart. The lid falls off mm. and all the parts fall out of it. Mm. Um, but the way it's. They all need a clip on that, eh? Because it, it's in your pack, and next minute you, you walk along and. To tink, to tink, to tink, you know, mm. balls blowing apart again. <laughs> it's all through your pack. For what you pay for them, um, yeah. yeah, I think it should have a decent cup on the bottom and a, and something that holds it all together so it doesn't all fall apart every time you bloody move. I'll just tell you which one of those exact one does the NSR wind burner. Okay. The lid's really hard to put on and off, mm. so it's really clippy, solid. And the cups different. It's quite thick and hard, and so they but they're not cheap. That was over three hundred bucks. A mate had a wind burner, and he was saying that someone was saying that the wind burners are better than MSR. And I think it's one of those things they probably are on some fronts, but maybe not on others. And yeah. But it was it was a bit of a tank of a thing. It was quite a bit bigger and more solid in that. Mm. Whereas the Minimo, for what it does, is quite a compact unit. Yeah, um, now, like I said, I've had them all, and the mini mode's the best because you can you can simmer, um, you can cook really good feeds, 
Uh, like you even put your, you pour your backcountry or whatever you freeze dried in there and just simmer it away, and it just you know how it's you never quite get the rice in that cooked in those bloody things. Yeah, this will cook it piece to piece. Yeah, and yeah, so it's good. Um, you've have you seen that tiny little solid fuel one thing that I've got from Z Packs? Yeah, it's, that's, I think that's what it, I was saying. Yeah, it's like seventeen grams. Yeah, and, and all it is 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 it's titanium, <laughs> and these three little wings fold out just enough to sit a potter, little potter, a pan on, and it's got this little square cut, just enough to put the solid fuel tablets on, and um, I bought it out of interest more than anything. Like, like you were saying before, we, you and I are, are similar in in the way that we'll both see something that sparks our interest. And we're willing to gra- to grab it and try it, and then if we don't like it, we'll say, "Nah, that shit didn't like it because of this." This when we don't sort of commit to it and try to say it's good just because we've got it now. Yeah. Um, but I sort of did that with that thing, and I bought. <laughs> I was pretty apprehensive when I bought it, and I was like, "Shit, I've got to check this out." It was marketed as the world's lightest cooking system. And and it's so it's this little titanium fold out thing that the solid fuel tablets sit in, and then Z Packs also sell uh, like they're a brand name I can't remember what they are, but it's it's a uh, they're not cheap, but they're a high quality titanium pot. Yeah, they're very very light but pretty strong. They're bloody good, and that whole setup with this this little titanium pot and this little cooker must be less than a hundred grams. It's just nothing. Um, and it works, yeah. you know. It works. So, so that tablet just boils your one thing of water, doesn't it? Uh, and how much water? Yeah, and it, it was so dependent on your setup and how yeah. sheltered you are in that, exactly. and it'd actually yeah. be ideal to um, have. You know how Greg used to have his um, his foil yeah. uh, wind stopper, which is what you get with the uh, whisper lights and that. Mm comes with it yeah, that's, yeah bloody, okay. that's, that's bloody good stuff yep. yeah i think greg was talking about making them out of uh either tin foil or even better you know like you buy you get them with the tr- for the traegers and it's, it's sort of just like a thick uh thicker tin foil it's a well you can get those oven trays those glad oven trays you cut them it. up they're pretty good that's exactly what he was talking about oh, using yeah. Yeah, yeah something like that would be ideal but yeah, usually, and there's all different sizes of these pallets. Um, an interesting note on those pallets too, the, the um, solid fuel tablets, is when I went back to buy some, they were sold out on Z-Packs, and then I started trawling through the internet, all the good sizes were sold out, and I ended up having to like order some from on eBay or something random like that and get them from overseas, and I stocked up on them because it's so handy. Mm. But um, yeah. So it depends, but generally one ta- a little tablet, you know, about the size of your thumb or smaller, will boil a couple of cups of water. Um, I've got this tiny little Cuban fiber pouch that the cooker and half a dozen tablets and a lighter goes in, and then I've got my little pot that's in a um in a little light super lightweight bag that it comes with too. And then I'll take a radix and or a couple of radix and that and some coffee, and I've got hot feeds on the hill for no weight at all. 
Um, and it's so bloody light and convenient. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think... Nah, I don't think I even took my jet boil on my last um, trip in the Uawiras. I just took that and a, a tiny little saw and a tiny axe. And I've also got that um, <coughs> that camp grill, which is just a stainless yes. mesh grill, yep. about 200 yep. mil long. It's dead mm. flat, mm-hmm. 200 mil long <coughs> by about 100 mil wide. And I can light a little fire, get a little pile of embers, um, and sit a pot on that too, and boil water and fry steaks straight on the grill over the coals. <coughs> that thing's frickin' gold. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's it's almost that's yeah. So that's the lightweight thing again. Um, it's it, you got to take into account. It's not easy to do what you're doing with that. Like you get a real shitty howly prick of a day, and you're trying to cook your yep. dinner behind a tree, and you got your pack sitting there, and you're lying down there with this wee delicate cooker going, "Come on, boy." <laughs> just boil that water because I need that bloody radix. Yeah. And um, and so it's it's not easy, but it's bloody effective when you get it all right and you can have the time to do it. Mm. So there's the convenience thing. The jet boil's like, it, that's going to go in any sort of weather. You might yep. have to heat your little gas canister up or chuck it down your front, but, mate, they just click, 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 and... You know, in two minutes, you're pouring that thing in the bag, zipped up, and you're you're sweet. So it's time-consuming, but, um, yeah, it's one of those things, eh? It's like you've got to commit fully. Like, if you're going on a lightweight trip, you've got to commit, and you've got to be prepared to do – it's like Greg. He he doesn't go there for a – well, I presume he doesn't go there for a – luxurious holiday he's just bare minimal like he's bare minimal cooking he's got bare minimal kit when it turns to shit but it's he's not going to die he's he's going to be relatively comfortable but yeah it's one of those things that you really got to commit and go nah not taking the jet ball i'm just taking this and i'm just going to make it work and yeah, you can really good point and and that trip was really good weather and it was pretty cruisy relatively mild, um, you know, it was sort of spring. And, yeah, you wouldn't want to – I wouldn't want to take just that, just that little solid fuel thing and, you know, when it was going to be a little bit wet and windy and shit like that. And, that, like you say, that's when the jet boil – like it, you could be on top of a ridge in the bloody howling gale mm. um, and that jet boil is just going to rip and do it, yeah. Yeah. boil the water. Yeah, yeah. and pissing down and all that. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, when, when you hey. yeah, exactly. That's it. You got to think about that too. It's no point just going. Yep, my pack's fifteen pound. I'm heading off for five days. You know, happy days, and then bit of shit weather, and all of a sudden your trip goes from exciting, great, to I'm a little bit miserable because I'm cold. I haven't been able to cook my tucker because it's blowing tits. Mm. And I can't get this friggin' little thing like I'm hiding behind a tree, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's doable, but it's it is gonna take a bit of your hunting time to to live like that. Yeah, well, and and like that, especially that camp grill, um, yeah. which is lighting a fire and stuff like that. Some hunters 
some people don't want to light a fire in a certain situation because the smoke could warn the animals or whatever, all that sort of side of things. And it, and it is time consuming. Um, and it's horses for courses. Uh, yeah, on, on that serious just charging trip, that the jet boil is the go. The solid fuel, great for day hunts too. I take it on day hunts, you know. I, uh, that would be my thing. Like, little wee um, lightweight knife, that cooker, um, my Cuban fibre pack, um, all cinched in, and, and on my way for a you know, day, maybe even an overnighter where I know I've only got to cook one feed, mm. and I can just charge because I've got zero weight, but I've got a feed, a hot feed, um, my little Z-Packs tart. You know, that's that's more where because, hey, let's be honest, if, if you're a little bit uncomfortable for one night, no one cares. Mm. You know, no matter what really happens, you've got a hot feed in you because you you spent an hour and a half hiding trying to sort it. <laughs> so that's my that's a huge up for those. And how we do more overnight, one day, two day trips than we do the big ones anyway. So mm. it's a bloody good bit of kit to have, eh? Man, that I rate that camp that mesh grill too. Um, yeah, and the mesh grill is just a, oh, it's just a bloody. Uh, that's more of a. Um, there's nothing more satisfying than being in the middle of the bush cooking a deer heart because mm. you know how tender it's going to be and you know how good it's going to taste and you've opened fire over coals cooked it. Yeah. You're not going to get, you won't get that in an Auckland restaurant. Dude, it's that good. Cooked over, cooked over manuka. Yeah. Um, just out the gate. And I took, yeah. I carried in um, a couple of like beef scotch fillet steaks. Oh. And I, I did them on like day two over the coals. It's it was so freaking good because I've got the Traeger here, um, which I absolutely love that thing. Mm. Um, but I'm gonna set up some form of setup here so in my place in town I can light a little fire and cook steaks over um, Manuka coals. It was I've never had a steak like it. It was it was out mate. There. Was, you, you get what you need in town is you get the Webers, the charcoal Weber. Mm. Cheapest chips. I mean, we were buying them in Japan for, I don't know, 60, ki- 60 bucks kiwi. Yep. And it's just the brown bowl with the legs. And you can fill that up with manuka and that. And oh, and it's just got the just the best meat. Mm, unbelievable. And you can do roasts in there because you get the fire humming with charcoal in there, those little charcoal things. Mm. And they stay going hot for hours. And you just chuck yep. a roast and put the lid on and bugger off. Time yep. the charcoal cools down, your meat's cooked, you know. I had a um little tiny little bako folding saw. Yeah. And and um and the, I I bought this tiny little vintage axe. It's a Norland one with a one pound head. It's the the tiny little thing. So I could and I'd get these um bone dry little sticks of manuka, you know, about 50 mil thick and cut them up into little rings about 150 mil long and then whack them into quarters with this tiny little Norlin axe and just do this mini little campfire and get perfect little coals yeah. and then um, just sit that grill across a couple of bits of wood with the with the coals underneath, you know. Yeah. And you can boil water with it and all of that too, you know. So, yeah. um, And then when I wanted hot water in a hurry for a brew or a dehigh, I'd just 
um, use the solid fuel, use a mm. couple of fuel tablets, and mm. then light a fire when I've got a bit more time or want to cook a bigger feed. Bloody good system on a um, on a fair weather, weather trip, you know. Mm. Yeah, like I say, if you commit to it, if you commit to the lightweight and bloody, you know, stick to the game plan, mm. you'll be like, holy heck, this that was epic. I I feel, but when you get home, you still feel fresh. You're not buggered, you know. You might have lugged out an animal, but what's that? 40 pounds or 50 pounds of meat mm. on your way home, um, not as, as opposed to 60 kilo, mm. <laughs> all up. Yeah. With your jet boil and your bloody, all your gear and a big sleeping bag and a big tent and, and you've only been on an overnighter. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, all that extra weight, eh, just makes such a big difference. Yeah. Um, and when you're whittling everything down, uh, the jet ball is a decent little lump. It's a solid little lump, the way everything mm. bloody stacks in there, you know? Yeah, 400 and what's my... It's just over 400 grams, I think, the mini mail or whatever it's called. Mm. Yeah, but that's half a kilo. Yeah. 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 And the, the other thing is, is um, if you've only got your jet boil then that's all you've got and you can only ever sizzle on a little pan and boil water and you're running out of gas. The thing I love about having a, a, and in hindsight, I didn't really need the little axe, just the folding saw would have been enough. Yeah. And one of those small um, Baco folding saws. Oh, they're light. Plastic handled bloody things, aren't they? 30 bucks, I think they are. Yeah, and they're light, Uh, you know. Yeah. Then they are bloody, they cut well above their weight. They'll cut that relatively quickly. Yeah. You know, what's that, buddy? 120, 120 mils. 120 Mm. mils, and they'll cut that quick. Yeah. You know, you Um, can cut some decent firewood. Say you set aside 10 minutes, you'll have enough fire to keep you warm, you know. Oh, man, a a bit bit of dry manuka. Mm. Yeah, it's um and and if you are doing that sort of you know sometimes around main huts and that firewood can be a bit scarce, but when you when you're fly camping and moving around, oh. just truck there can be truckloads of it and you can yeah. you can sort of like be cruising down the creek looking for a campsite, and then come around the corner and there's a big um canoe down in the creek all dry yeah. and you go well this is where I'm camping. Yeah, and, and you can have a massive, big roar and fire, and it's just no time at all, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and, at, and, that, and at that lightweight, you're not like I say about my little lightweight system that I carry. You're never thinking, "Should I got to get back to camp? Should I got to get back to camp? Should I, you know?" You're like, mm. "Well, there's some firewood, a bit of a flat patch right by the oh yeah, it's buddy, not a bad spot. Oh well, this will do at, at whatever time of the day." It's such a good feeling, eh? Just mm. having everything you need and not having to get back to camp and being able to go anywhere you, wherever you want. Super effective on the hunting too. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I'll stop you there. It's such a good feeling having everything on your back when it's not <laughs> 30 kilo. <laughs> Great point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and yeah, once you get it down around that 15 kilos or less... The difference between fourteen and a half kilos or fifteen kilos and twenty is is a lot to for yeah. me anyway. Oh, yeah, shit, yeah. I, I got a 
I've got a pack trainer thing here, and it's got a 20 kilo weight that I put on it. I bought it back from the States. And I hiss on that for a good, it takes me a good two weeks to get used to 20 kilo, mm. and it never feels light. Mm. But if I can get down to about, I try and get to about 12 kilo, mm. that's light. Yeah, it is. That's light. There's a, there's you, a you real. You notice I'm not getting, this, I'm not getting that tight ever. Mm. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. There's a real tipping point there, eh? Yeah. yeah, somewhere around 12 or 15 kilos. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I reckon it is. I reckon it's between 12 and 15, and then mm. you're starting to get, okay, now I'm feeling it, and you don't you don't really get the benefits, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think Greg gets around um, Kaigu, Kaigu, or he, he, I think he gets around with, um, I think he's, a, he's like under 10. Yeah. Kilo. Yeah, he's really... And you try it like if you do that, you, he's going for days too. Like he he's um he does overnights in there, but he's um yeah he's into it and he gets a lot of hunting done because of it. You know, mm. yeah, you're so much more mobile. Um, the the extreme lightweight trampers, the people that don't have to worry about hunting and optics yeah. and film gear and um guns and ammo and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um. They get down like extreme, extreme, like people doing the TRO trail and all that. Yeah. They get down around five kilos, five, six, seven kilos. Yeah, and most of that's food. Mm. Um, mm. And then, you know, Greg even counts the weight oh, he's got on. Yeah. So he doesn't go, oh, I've got all this kit on. That's the weight of my pack. He's like, no, nah, no. Nah. He counts his boots, his kit, everything. Yeah. So. He's, he's pretty light at under 10 kilo, or he was around 10 kilo, I think, last time I read something of his. But, um, yeah. Well, I, think, I think my last mission, I was 14, and I was set up for a good few days, mm. and that was with binos, rangefinder, um, and uh, quite a bit of film gear. Couple yeah. of couple of cameras and heap of batteries and I could I could whittle that down a little bit. Um, yeah, that's the issue, isn't it? It's your gun. That thing's mm. four kilo all day. Oh, that's day. without the gun. Yeah, yeah that's but that's four the kilo. Then yeah. you got your binos. Mine are the like a bloody top mm. line like that. I don't know. They'd be a kilo at least, I'd say. Mm. Um, yeah. So there's five kilo. Then my lower boots, because I'm size 15 US, they're about bloody mm. 2.4 or something. So I'm up around, just with boots, gun and binos, I'm up there around, what, 6, 7 kilo before yeah. I even get off the deck. Yeah. But, yeah, you can probably, you know, if you're carrying lighter weight, you don't need for the big boots. And Yeah, well, that's yeah. how, that's us next time, I reckon. Talking mm. about boots and packs. Yeah, yeah, we've been we've done our time. Yeah, we sort of have, eh? Um, yeah, it's, it's quite a big, big topic. Yeah, just quickly, the big cookers for flying trips. Mm. Uh, we'll just touch on that, eh? We, yeah, yeah, we, I've seen that there. We sort of touched on it um, with talking about this one. I reckon this, this is my new flying cooker. Yep. And I never thought I'd say that, but in practice using it, 
I was like, because it's it's it goes down on on the bench, you know. It's not yeah. like the old school ones where you screwed the the can into the bottom, mm. and they're sort of three hundred mil high, and you're balancing your big pan or your pot on top of that. These are down, stable as yeah. Your bottles off to the side because yeah, you, like as we were saying, you can't take those big bottles in anymore. What have you got a, yeah. a favorite go to? Um, I from flying in, I try and take that. Um, MIA whole fire pit. Oh, yeah. It's not that light. That's just sheet metal and it's pretty. It's all packed in its own little square mm. box and you can cook a good graze on that. You just got to have firewood yep. in that. But um, I haven't actually got any other sort of fly in cooker other than the. I take the whisper light. Mm. Um, because that's exactly the same as that thing you got there, but it's just got the fuel. Exactly the same. That that's the funny thing. The whisper lights are what three hundred bucks. That thing was fifty bucks. Yeah, and this it's thing easier. isn't. This thing isn't lightweight though. I wouldn't cut. I wouldn't take this on a backpack trip. No, nah, but you wouldn't take the whisper light either. It's not that light. Yeah, it's solid. It's a bloody good cooker. Yeah, but um, and you got to carry f- the fuel, which is. I think they're 700 mils or something, those things. So there's 700 grand. Yeah. So, um, but I used to, t- look at, yeah, well, it's all changed now that you've got the, the no nine kilo gas bottles, isn't mm. it? And, then, and I'm sure plenty of guys are um, tucking away, uh, putting a four kilo or a little two kilo gas bottle in the bottom of the pack or in one of their food boxes and just taking the old school, you know, there's different yeah. ones. There's the, the the old cast iron twin burner, there's camp yeah. craft or whatever, gas craft. What's that yellow one with the, you know, the yellow, it's, you open the lid and then mm. there's the two burners in it. Yeah, That's it's quite two, a good one. Yeah, they're not bad. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. the one, um, the one I'm thinking of is a, you can get these canister ones and it's just one burner and it's got the canister slotted in the side. Oh, yeah. It's the old like, click, click, click. Yeah, flat. Flat thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, flat thing. That's pretty good too. No, so. not bad. Yeah, um, not bad. But I've they will burn through bloody canisters like. Burn through canisters like crazy. Yeah. They can yeah. be a little bit unreliable. I've had, because you know how that lever flicks down to yeah. to lock the can in and then when you turn them off, it flicks up. So it's, yeah. I've had that that whole mechanism bugger out and I'm, jam- I'm wiring it down and yeah. I've had a few issues with them, and they do. They burn through the canisters, and yeah. um, but they are good. They're flat and stable, but they take up quite a bit of room. The, yeah. This this thing here um, um, sort of relegates those things for me. Yeah, that um, thing's actually, now that you mention it, like we, we literally just bought that because of the gas bottle thing, eh? And then... Yeah, it was a very last minute, like, oh, yeah. shit, we'll grab one of these. But... Um, because I'm pretty sure we were going to take the big, we were going to take the big two burner cast one and the gas mm. bottle, and then we were both like, "Well, shit, we can't do that now." No, it's a law change, eh, on that. Yeah, um, and I, a lot of guys just just on that. A lot of guys that were flying into their tar ballots this year. A lot of the older guys actually had the big gas bottle and those, yep. and it was just a nut. Because it's been a law for a couple of years now. Yeah. So they were sort of lenient on it for a wee bit, but now this year they were just like nuts. So those guys actually boosted back into Fox and got their 
got something more gas canisters i'd say for their jet balls and shit and it would have been a nightmare so that's just probably a thing if you're listening and going to the tar ballot dude from the warehouse i'm sure there's there's better quality ones of these out there you could pay hundreds for them but um there's actually nothing wrong with that if it's still going now <laughs> we use that solidly for a week and, dude, this, and there's it, nothing wrong with it man and, and it's yeah. gas craft which yeah. is um i've had a couple of cheaper gas craft because they go for ages yeah. It's the the tap on it's pretty good. It's quite mm. you know you can turn it right down, so it's just doing a slow simmer or a slow yeah. fry. Um, and if you p- pump it right up, it rages. It's got the pipe, so it's keeping the gas warm, so it goes when it's cold, and it's efficient. It uses it empties completely empties out. Well, yeah. I just use those bigger. What are they? The four hundred gram bottles or whatever you know. The, yeah, the, you yeah, get we sort just of, use yeah. Sort of three sizes. Eh? There's the tiny. Uh, ones that fit in, inside your jet boil then there's the next they're fatter but they're shorter and then there's the tall ones mm. um and you know you get a i was getting a hell of a lot of cooking out of one of those um taller bottles and they take up less room like the, like a big twin burner um thing is like quite the apparatus to you know you sort of take over half the bench whereas mm. that um is bugger all, and I actually just had that in my uh, jet boil yeah. on the last, you know, flying trip, and it was sweet. I'd yeah, if you had two of those, That's say it. there was if there was two of us, and you had two of those, yep. and you were taking wet food like spuds mm. and meat, and you'd mm. be humming. Then you'd probably need three or four canisters, the bigger ones, to be safe. Three or like, four. I don't think we. We didn't use more than one on that week trip no, we went on. Eh? Bugger all, man. Two, I reckon. If if one, if, if I reckon you'd, re- I, I would ration uh, two big bottles for one person for a week. So if it was me and you going in for a week, mm. I'd take that and exactly what four or five. I reckon you hit the nail on the head. I'd t- yeah. I'd probably use four and I'd want a spare. And we were cooking some brekkies. We were cooking massive dinners. That's, like, yeah. You know, eel and chicken. I think we cooked, well, we were cooking all sorts. All sorts, man. Yeah. Yeah, we had, yeah, we had the, the epic feeds. That, that feed of eel oh. was, it was unbelievable, eh? Yeah. Yeah, so we're walking, was. just to put it in context, we're walking out of the slip, would be, it was dark, and we come off the slip and, there was eels all through the what's that creek called? Ah, uh, that's that's what the side creek or the that's yeah, that, that's right branch. Yeah, right branch, and there was that eel there, and 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 Paul's buddy just reached him with his hand, flicked it out, and we're chasing the squirming thing around, and it was actually to let you know how it tasted, it was like tenderized chicken. Tenderer than it chicken. It was it was a lot ten, um, more supple than chicken, but it tasted like chicken. It was because I think it's because the flow of that river is so clean and fresh. It was just mm. we put something on it. What did we put on it? Uh, I did that that Cajun. I put yeah. um, I do it with fish sometimes, and I put uh, I'll go. I'll dust it because I can't have gluten, so I'll dust yeah. it in rice flour. If you can't have gluten, just use normal yeah. flour. Yeah. I did go a dusting of flour, and then I just put Cajun and egg. Yeah, we had eggs because egg I, I bought the eggs for bacon and eggs. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So, so, and it was like 
you could serve it to people and they would just be sitting there going, oh, this is delicious chicken. How'd you get it so tender? It was unreal. Eh? But <laughs> it, it wasn't like fish. It actually had quite a firm consistency, more like yeah. a soft soft chicken breast. Eh? That, that's what I'm saying. Chicken. It wasn't fishy. Yeah. It, was, no, it, it, was, was, it was probably firmer than a harpooker steak, mm. but not as firm as chicken thigh. Mm. And so. and man, I'm I'm getting hungry thinking about it. Yeah. And we had and because it was a it wasn't a monster eel, but it was a decent sized eel. So we mm. had like a good three or four good <laughs> slabs each, and uh, we had like d- spuds and um, like basically eel and three veg. Eh? It mm. was it was, but every feed we had that whole trip. I think we did the same with. Um, like I remember, we had shoulder chops one night, just the massive big feeds, yeah, lamb yeah. chops and bloody, um, yeah, like potato, pumpkin, coomera, broccoli, cauliflower, and carrots, like, yeah, and that, how, those feeds always taste better in the bush. Oh yeah, yeah, and I, and that's the thing. If you're going to a hut, don't piss around with you. Take wet food. Do not piss around, unless you're walking in. Yeah. But um, if you're at a hut and you're flying or you can drive there, take good tucker, man. It makes all the – you hunt better. Um, even in my tar ballot block with the MIA, obviously flying in, mm. I had wet food and it was just – you hunt way – like I was having massive feeds of eye fillet steak and that at night with spuds and – and I wouldn't get hungry all the next day, and I was charging. Like I think I did seventy something, eighty k that week, mm. and I was just living on muesli bars and shit because I was I knew I was going home to eat two scotch fillets for dinner, you know. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Eh? If Change. you can do it, it, it is a game changer. Complete yeah, game changer. Yeah. And, and at the end of the week, you get out and you're not even craving like a pie and all that. You're just sort of like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just roll out pretty normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. I was thinking on this last trip that um, <clears throat> my last backpack trip, I took in uh, quite a bit of dehigh radix, mm. which I think is one of the better dehigh stuff. I agree um, with that. It's a bloody good dehydrate. It's got a lot of good calories and not a lot of bad crap. Mm, mm. Yeah. And um, but still, man, as good as it is, I still struggle on it, eh? And I struggle to eat it. I struggle to get motivated to eat it. I'll put off eating, mm. and and I'll get to the a point where I'm hungry. But I don't feel like a radix. I feel like a steak and some eggs, or I feel mm. like bacon and eggs, or mm a curry and rice or, you know, something like that. Yeah. One good company that I rave about is that Go Native. Um, Everyone raves about that. I don't know if they do gluten and dairy-free stuff, so I can't... I might ask Duncan, because they're based in Wellington, and when I was with the Hurricanes down there, I um, I used to go in there and see them and have yarns and that, Mm. and um, that... Is a bloody. It's a little bit heavier, but like you say, it's. I prob. I wouldn't be able to make butter chicken as good as they come in that packet, and and all their meals like yep. top top notch. And it's you have one of them, and you're just sleeping like a baby, and you're sleeping big. You know, mm. it's 
that's one thing I'll say if you can. It's a bloody good wet feed. Mm. But I quite like the Radix, and I, I, I really like what they've got in them. Like their Radix breakfast, especially like the mixed berries and, and that with the muesli, that's bloody good and yep. really a lot of energy in it. Like I think it's got, uh, I couldn't comment on the a calories. A lot of high lot. energy, yep. high calorie, and it's actually, it's really formulated for performance. Yeah. You know, they've, they've broken down all the macros and micros and it's got, it hits all the markers, it's got everything you need in it. Mm. Um, yeah, because they do an athlete um, one, so you can actually eat it. But they, because they, they actually did some for the guy that rode across. Where did he row? He bloody rode halfway around the world. It might have been across the Pacific. Yeah, and they people, gave him, eh? People use it for all sorts of stuff. Yeah, rowing across oceans yeah. and mountain yeah. climbing and like really extreme. It, it is designed for that. Um, yeah, I find I to run properly on it. I still, I actually have to be disciplined and force myself to stop and eat it. Yeah. Um, and this trip I took mainly radics, but then I also had quite a bit of rice. I took that little bit of steak, um, and a couple. I had a couple of cans of tuna, and then I started shooting deer, and mm. and I found I just started to eat living off rice and venison and deer heart and that. Um, that that's a really good point. The rice ones that you have to rehydrate, and they're in their own little bag. They are a must for me. For our boil and bag rice? Yeah. Yeah. You take those because they're light mm. before you rehydrate them. And any sort of meat, like if you know you're going into a high deer area, which is pretty mm. much anywhere in New Zealand at the moment, mm. mate, r- deer heart with that rice is just way more nutrient than any tucker you'll freeze dry. It is. I just start. I crave animal fat, eh? Like, yeah. And that's what the the radix doesn't have a lot in it. A, a lot mm. of the they are high fat, but a lot of the fat is coconut oil and stuff. Yeah. Another good. That's what I was going to say. Another good thing you can take is coconut oil, and just mix that in because it mm. it sort of melts through it, and you can't taste it, but you know you're getting a good tablespoon of, and like you take. A tablespoon of that a day will probably be enough, eh? To you bump it, and yeah, peanut well, butter yep. has also got a lot of fat in it, and you can yep. buy those slugs. Because I'm like you, I, I bloody need fat, eh? When I'm working hard, like you know, and I crave I crave animal fat, like steak yeah. and eggs and stuff. And, oh yeah. And on that trip, I was actually thinking about it, um, and because I ended up carrying out a heap of radics, but you, you um, might have to start, buddy, trying to catch a couple of kiddo. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably lean away from that, but um, <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of a system where I've got these um hard plastic things. They don't weigh anything, but it's a setup for carrying eggs in your pack. Yeah, uh, the old um, milk bottles cut off and slotted over each other. Well, this is a proper setup for. All oh, right. Yeah. Um, and it's like a it's like an egg carton, but hard yeah. plastic, and it's sort of got these soft plastic fins that the that the egg will sit in, and they can move a bit, but they're not rattly. Yeah. Um. So I'm working out a setup where I can take rice, a bit of tuna, 
but I don't want to be hammering tons of tuna every day because it's not that good for you. So I'm going to do. Nah, um, I'm going. I'll take. You can take steak for the first night, even frozen steak, second not thawed out the second night. Mm. Then, um, tuna, eggs, rice, um, a couple of dehys, but not bloody living off them. Mm. And I reckon I can get because the other thing with dehys is um, bloody packaging weight too. Yeah. You end up carting a lot of packaging around, and I, I sort of got to the point where I was like, man, I reckon I can go just as light as this eating some pretty good tucker, eating, mm. or bacon can last quite well too, mm. eating sort of bacon and eggs and steak and rice. and mm. <laughs> Yeah, um, mate, the dehydrate for me is pure necessity. If I'm going to Fjordland and I'm walking the whole bloody, t- and, I, and then I'm living on the tops, I'm not carting wet food. I'm carting mm. full D high and just grin and bear it and hope that the scenery outweighs the bloody farts and and um, the gas and the constipation and all the other crap that I get that, with a lot of that. that. Yeah, well, that's what Radix doesn't do for me. It doesn't yeah. give me any of that stuff. Same, um, but mm. I've only just got onto it compared mm. to the other brands. And then I was just taking go native there for a long time. But yeah, when it's really necessity, you got a ten day trip and you've got mm. to carry all your food on your back. Is about the only time I take full, full bloody um, all day high. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's just what I was thinking on this last trip. That now that I've got my weight right down, mm. um, and I can actually get it down a little bit more in a couple of areas. Now I want to work out how I can integrate back as much real food as I can and tasty stuff so I'm enjoying it and feeling better out there without bumping my pack weight up too much. Um, I think I can do it. Yeah. And it's um, like so that eel. Um, mm. That's actually know. a bloody good one, eh? Yeah, but like so there's little – because the context of that is we were supposed to shoot a deer – but we were sort of trophy hunting and we seen a heap of deer and we didn't bother shooting one and then we had no tucker because we'd eaten all our food and we thought we were going to shoot a deer the whole week, but we just didn't bother. Mm. And so we ate the bloody eel and it was fantastic. So drop back in the creek and you're like, check this out. This would be <laughs> yeah. our bloody dinner, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that was, I actually, you picked up this giant rock yeah, and like threw it at the at, at the at the eel, and it emptied the pool out <laughs> from yeah. water. But the eel's still in there. And then I, I had a a couple of rocks. I had two. I had one in each hand, so I had two shots. And we chased him out over the shallows. Mm. And I biffed that rock real hard at him in the shallows, and and I hit him right at the base of the head, and it almost cut his bloody head off. That's right. Um, yeah. That's how we got him. And then we saw that other one pretty much exactly the same size that was just sitting in that little side pool. And I said, let's see if I can scoop it just to see if I can get it. That was the one I flicked out of the water. Yeah. Uh, and then we just let him get back in because we already had one. Yeah, but there's actually plenty of stuff you can eat when you're hunting mm. that protein-wise. You know, you got we've got heaps of trout. They're not too hard to catch sometimes and eels and... Dude, that, um, that, that eel was so good and it is um, there's a couple of ways that you can catch them really easily one of the best is actually just um, 
if you just have a decent size hook, like this, this about the size hook you'd use for live baiting for kingfish, yeah. just a good solid hook, and um, about a meter of grunty trace, like some not even a meter, five hundred mil or like tough trace, yeah, and then you get a stick about twelve hundred mil long, tie the trace to the end of the stick, and then cut a make a split in the end of the stick so you can jam the hook in pretty tight so it's a running gaff because if you yeah. just have a little hook on the end of a stick and you hook an eel when they flick around they flick off yeah. but as soon as it's a running gaff if you've got even 300 mil half a meter it has to be grunty nylon if you hook a big bugger yeah. and then so all you need is a hook you don't need bait nothing a hook mm. and that bit of nylon and you can just gaff them you know yeah yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, that's just ways of getting protein when you're out there, but mm. um, well, I suppose we've banged on for long enough, have we? Yeah, man. Um, so we better wrap her up, but um, yeah, we seem to never touch on where we wanted to get to, but we'll do it next time. Exactly, yeah, we'll just keep going. Yeah. Um, packs and boots next time. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay, man, well, sweet ass. Catch you later. Thanks, everybody.